1: This is your host, Kevin Folger, with Labors in the Harvest podcast. I want to welcome you back to part three of my conversation with my good friend, Dave Hardy. I appreciate the fact that you've joined me today. Uh, You're going to find the final segment of our conversation with him, I believe, to be very encouraging and very helpful. I hope that you take a few moments so you can be in a place where you can just really concentrate and listen, and that'll be a blessing to you. Now, sit back and relax, and let's listen to part three, our final part of our conversation with my friend, evangelist Dave Hardy. Welcome back to Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger, your host, and this is week three of our conversation with Brother Dave Hardy. And uh, we just finished up our last uh, conversation, and he was sharing with us about his first pastorate in uh, in the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a church called Eastland Baptist Church. Brother Dave, thanks for being back with us today. It's my privilege to be back. So what year was it that uh, you got the call to uh, Pastor Eastland Baptist Church there in Tulsa? Father's Day, 1973. 1973. And uh, the church was in pretty bleak financial condition when you when you took the church?
2: It really was. And again, I don't want to lay blame to anybody. I, I have never started a church. Um, and just to be honest, I think I was probably afraid to start a church. I don't think it was so much trying to visit people. I just didn't want to deal with the city about what property we could use and how to build a building and all of that. And I didn't tell the Lord I wouldn't, but I said, Lord, I don't really want to start one if I could avoid that. So yes, uh, when it opened, when that opportunity opened, uh, because it was three years old and three bond programs had been floated. a lot of people don't understand those today but rather than getting loans from banks sometimes churches get a bond program sell bonds to church members to friends with an interest those could be five-year bonds or ten-year bonds right and uh, so they had they had three bond programs and uh, I couldn't really see all the progress made with the last one you know what the money was used for but I think maybe because the church was struggling financially they were using, Money from bond programs on the last part to pay the ones the first ones beginning to come due. Wow! But now the whole thing had pretty much come full circle, mm-hmm. and we were behind on local bills and everything as well. But again, they were good people, and Brother Applegate was a hard worker, and I am thankful for the investment that he made. So I was only able to be paid seventy dollars a week. And I still remember um, they didn't even have the money to, to move me from Springfield. And I made, <laughs> I'm going to call it the mistake of telling them that I had a little MG midget, a sports car. I, I kind of play with mechanical things a little and had done some work on that and bought it really cheap. And they said, would you mind selling uh, your little sports car in order to rent a, a U-Haul truck so you could move here to be our pastor? And <laughs> I thought, you know, it's God's car, isn't it? It's all God's. God's good. And I said, not a problem. And that's kind of the way we started with that. And actually, only made $70 a week for the first two years. We talked about godly wives. And I feel like it's always my obligation to take care of the family financially and pretty much had. But I couldn't find a job anyplace, not even sacking groceries. And I guess it's because the church was so close to foreclosure financially that I had to really get busy. And, and Grace just jumped out there and got a job immediately. I didn't want her to do that, uh, but she did. And, and Brother Kevin, she put food on the table mm. for the first two years.
1: Wow. Well, I know that uh, when you were there, and I don't, I don't think you were there very long, and uh, there was a kind of a, a, a difficult situation that happened with the building and um, uh, involved a tornado. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that?
2: I sure can. Um, we, we begin to grow. We're running about in the 50s to maybe 60 when I came to the church in 73, and then God was good. We've been to grow, but our little auditorium, the whole building was about 5,000 square feet with a few small Sunday school rooms. But the auditorium really only seat about 125. If you had kids, you might get a few more, but that's about what it would seat. And uh, we filled it up. And so after about two years, sometimes people would come and look in the back door and there literally were no empty seats and turn around and leave. And I don't know, that's got to hurt a pastor's heart as much as anything, Hmm. is to go out and visit, try to win people to the Lord, Uh, come to church and there's no place uh, for them. So that really concerned me and I remember having a legal pad. Brother Noel Smith, Dr. Noel Smith always made fun of us. He said, "Uh, boys you can't go to heaven without a red pencil and a, a, a yellow legal pad. So I always had one just in case he was right. But I was always drawing pictures on it of a building I would like to have if I could ever have it. And so here we were still, not completely caught up on our bills, but almost, and our reputation had been salvaged. So it would have been on December the 5th, 1975, that there's there's a little airport behind our church about a quarter mile back, not very far away. And sometimes I would go there and study and just sit in my car, and it was a stormy day not raining but heavy what I would call blackish green which is uh, a color people in Oklahoma pay attention to and i had been out to the airport and those clouds rolled in and uh, and I decided well I'm gonna go back to church that was about 4:30 in the afternoon kind of look over my notes and grace will have separated at 5:30. only lived about a mile from the church so I went back to the church got there, I don't know, 445 or something like that, and sitting at my desk, and my sermon was out of Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I think it's verse 19, I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that thou and thy seed may live, and uh, so those notes were on my desk. I was looking at them when I heard a noise, and I thought maybe it was a plane going over, and in my mind, in processing, you know, how that works, Said, no, it's going too slow to be a plane. And I thought, well, it's a truck right out front going down the road, because we are on a main road. And it processed that again and said, no, it's even going too slow for that. And then it sounded like, well, I know what it is. It's a it's a train going uphill, pulling a, a long uh, load of boxcars. And then I was reminded there's no train tracks for about 12 miles. And I thought, I've got to find out what this is. No windows in my little office. And I walked out the back door, which would have faced the east and to my right was a fairly uh, deafening sound. And I looked over and I would guess 50 to 75 yards to the Southwest was a full blown, full blown tornado, just tearing a uh, shopping center, shopping strip, I should say, and service station to pieces. And uh, I could see outdoor air conditioners and all kinds of things in the air, just mm. cycling around. And for a moment, I just looked at it and. Thought to myself, "Well, would you look at that!" <laughs> and I was pretty taken back with it, and I probably was stood there too, or maybe stood too long. And the Lord said, "Son, maybe you ought to either get in the church van and leave, or go back in the church building." So I went back in the building, sat down at my desk, and then that still small voice said, "You probably ought to get under your desk." So I took my notes and my Bible, and I crawled under my desk, and I hadn't been under there three, four minutes. everything went black and I thought well it's killed the power lines and then everything was gray I thought well the roof is gone and it was deafening it was absolutely just deafening and I my little desk um I kind of look back on it now in humor was one of those high dollar chrome legs with formica wood grain
0: yeah
2: (laughs) And a small and I had grabbed one of each of those legs holding on to it, and someone said, do you think that protects you? I said, no, I wasn't trying to be protected. I just knew I'd never get another desk. We didn't have any money, and I wasn't (laughs) going to have a tornado I literally talked to the tornado, and you're not getting uh, my desk. I really, for whatever reason, didn't have a lot of fear. And then all of a sudden, um, of course, that was the vacuum trying to take everything away. It all came crashing back down again because the tornado had moved. And so I was just kind of covered with debris, but I I didn't have uh, a scratch on me. I was a little bit dirty from the dirt flying around. I was under a pile of two befores and things. It took me a little while to crawl out. I could see a van up above the wood on top of me. And it was a lady who tried to get to the church and she crawled out through where the windshield had been. And I could see her going away and I called to her, but the tornado was so noisy. She never heard a word. Then I could hear the radio in her van because it's right above me. People in the southeast Tulsa need to take cover because there's a tornado. I said thanks a lot. You know? <laughs> um, but it, it destroyed it. There was not one wall standing, uh, not one. Mm. And um, so in my office, it concrete block walls. One wall kind of fell over towards my desk one way, then the other one came over and met it, where you would have kind of like a triangle. Sure and my desk was right under it, and I just called that my cleft in the rock, and I watched God go by. The tornado turned out to be our salvation as far as a building uh, goes. Um, We got insurance money, but all that would do would replace the building we had. It would be a new one, but it'd be the same size, and to do it as brief as I can, I didn't push the men, but a lady came out, a reporter that Sunday morning, and said, what are you preaching on, Pastor? And I told her, oh, well, I already had my sermon for the tornado, and that was Deuteronomy chapter 30, more than just verse 19, but the one that I've said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose a life that thou and i seed may live. And a man and I went over and prayed about it, and I said, you know, men, God, I think, is trying to help us with need to figure out what it is. So without taking time, we all came to the conclusion that God wanted us to take the money and build the building ourselves and get a bigger building. And the men said, what do you think it looks like? And nobody in the church was a builder, especially including me. I don't know how God gave me this information, but I, this is what was in my heart. I said, you'll have to take work clothes to work. And when you get off work, you don't go home. You come straight here every day, Monday through Friday. And we'll try to quit at 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking to like 12 to 15 men Mm -hmm. And then I said, we need to be here at eight o'clock on Saturday and we'll we'll quit at five so you can get some rest before church on Sunday. And they said, how long? I said, I guess I really don't know, but I think you should plan on a year. And they said every night and every Saturday for a year. I said, that's what's in my heart. I, I don't have the experience. That's what's in my heart, in my mind. And they prayed about it, maybe a week. And they said, we'll do it. Hmm. And they did. And we went from 5,000 square feet to 23,000 square feet. Wow. And seating 125 to seating 440. And then Sunday school space for all of it. And we did it all and furnished it for $9 and something per foot.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
2: Which I don't know how much more time we'll have. I can explain that a little, but I'll not take time now. I'm just saying. You know, I could burn the church down and I could blow it up with explosives, but there's only one person who can generate a tornado. Hmm. And that was God. Yeah. And everybody thought it was a tragedy. I said, it's not. Right. It's a hand of God. Yeah.
1: Well, we look back in our lives and we see the mighty hand of God as it moves at different times. And we, what many th- folks think would be our, our death becomes our life. And what a blessing that is. And see that that happen. Well, we're going to fast forward. Uh, You uh, pastored that church for 30 years, is that correct? 30 years,
2: 30 years, Father's Day of uh, 73 to Father's Day 2003.
1: So that was before your 60th birthday, is that correct? Yes, sir, I was 58. So can you explain what God did in your life and what your reasoning was for that decision at uh, turning the pastor over at at such a young age?
2: Yes, sir, Um, for some reason. When I went to the church, one of the men had said, um, since you know, the first pastor had been there three years, um, are you gonna stay longer than three years? And I said, well, that's my intention. And they said, well, how long do you think you would stay? And I don't know why I said this, Brother Kevin. I, I really don't have any reason for it. Of course, i told Brother Tracy three years. I don't, maybe had threes in my head, I don't know. And I said, you know, I'd really like to give 30 years here. I'd, I'd like to be here 30 years. And so the years passed. And so when I had passed 25 and, and moving on, I began to realize that my, <clears throat> my stamina was going down some and I began to feel like God was talking to me about it. And so I, I really think I was coming to the conclusion that the combination of my stamina and vision had plateaued. And there's only one thing on the other side of a plateau. And I don't, I didn't want to be responsible for that. Right. And I don't want to be unkind to anyone, but we have a number, and you know this because you travel. The baby boomer generation was huge. And of course, I precede that generation a little bit. Uh, But they're not babies anymore. They're 70 years old, plus or minus, five years, probably minus. And many of them are retiring, but a lot of them stayed uh, too long. Right. And a young man comes and uh, everyone there is old as his grandparents. They all have silver hair. And I don't mean to demean that, but there should be some deacons or trustees and Sunday school superintendent or Sunday school teachers or someone close to the age of that young pastor that's getting ready to give his life, except for having some dirt in a building, which is really a help. He starts from scratch mm. all over again. And I thought, the church is plateaued and I'm gonna seek God's direction. So between that, those last five years, <clears throat> I was convinced God wanted me to step down at 30. So when I got close to that time, we had a man on staff, Troy Durrell, that I thought was a possibility for being um, the next pastor. Without the church knowing it, I had three different men come that I thought would be possibilities. One about brother Troy's age, one a little bit older, and one that could probably only give them 10 years if they just wanted someone to break the cycle of a long-term pastor. And the people didn't know, but only the deacons knew that these men could be possibilities. But I didn't want to, the church to feel like I was pushing Brother Troy or anyone else into the pulpit. And they said, well, what about Wayne, my son? I said, you'll have to talk to him because I think it's between you and him, and, and they did. But anyway, I did tell the church and a couple of years out, and they did decide on Brother Troy, and, uh, and of course, you know that, and we voted him in as pastor one year, pastor-elect before my 30th year, and then on the 30th year, I stepped out and he stepped in, and the church has done well.
1: Yes, sir. Well, can you speak to our listeners about uh, the kind of ministry you're, you have now? What, <clears throat> it's an itinerant ministry, and um, <clears throat> you kind of give yourself a, a title. What, what is that title? <laughs>
2: Well, I call myself pastor at large, not a large pastor, but just pastor at large. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I did that is um, in my travels, every now and then I would see advertised attorneys at large or a realtor at large. And I determined that they had a particular kind of license. Maybe it didn't work in every state, but they could practice law or, you know, practice real estate in another state. And that's the reason he said at large. And uh, so people pretty much will call me an evangelist. Uh, Brother Kevin, I am convinced that for the most part, evangelists and preachers have a little bit different heart. I'm not Mm -hmm. putting one above the other. Right. And I love to see people saved. But what really turns my crank is to see a young man and his wife get married the right way and raise a godly family. <clears throat> that blesses my heart more than anything that I can think of. And so I thought, well, it doesn't offend me to be called an evangelist, but it seems to me, and my wife says, evangelists will have people in the palm of their hand the first service. She says, for the first two or three nights, I don't know if they're going to stone you or like you. And then usually by the end of the meeting, they're all happy. So maybe it's a gifting as well as something else. Because I taught at Heartland for a number of years, because I enjoyed Baptist Bible College so much, because I was in the Navy, most of those men were young men. I loved being uh, with young men. And so I thought, what will we do with our life? I thought, I will not call people and ask them if they can have me come on a Sunday. I'm not a missionary. If I were, then I would need to do that. But I was not. I said, Lord, you're going to have to open the doors for that. So the only thing I agreed to do that if I had a few churches in the West or whatever, and other churches there where I knew men, I would send a text and say to the other men, I will be in your area. If I can be of help, let me know. And that's it. And it has stayed really busy now for 18 years. So we have really enjoyed the connection that God's continued to allow us to have with those much younger uh, than us. And we, No, know there's a lot of discouragement in the ministry, these young men going out, and sometimes it's just good for somebody to come by, have some fellowship with them, maybe take them to eat, and maybe answer some questions. I am really impressed with our students out of Heartland making good decisions, but I do like the fact they will check with older men for a confirmation. Safety in a multitude of counsel, the book tells us, and that's what we spend most of our time doing.
1: So your your ministry basically is a ministry of encouragement and a uh, help to younger pastors as God gives you opportunity, holding, uh, you know, Bible conferences, revivals, that type of thing. Is that, would that be a fair assessment?
2: Yes, it would be. I have held more missions conferences than anything else, and that's okay. because that's what they've requested. But Very yes, and in, some revivals, but again, I'm not an evangelist. I tell them I'm not an evangelist. I'll do my best, uh, but that's probably not what, and the only reason I say missions conferences is before I ever left the pastorate. My whole pastorate, nearly, I did as many missions conferences as I could be gone from the church to do, which couldn't be too many because I made a mission trip every year and I also wanted some vacation. But that's just how it worked. It wasn't something I pursued, and so it continued. But we do now have the privilege, Grace was just in a ladies' meeting this last Saturday in Wichita, Kansas, and usually, we're always together. We have couples retreat coming up in Grand Island, Nebraska, this coming weekend. So men's meetings, ladies' meetings, couples retreats. But we've done more missions conferences than anything else. And as you mentioned, the Bible conference as well. Right. So it's, it's been busy. We've really enjoyed it. And we average um, around 40 or so uh, churches a year. That's probably all we can handle. And right. we may, we'd have to cut back a little on that. But it's been wonderful. We've really enjoyed it.
1: I wanted to say thank you for uh, the kind of ministry that you have. You've been an influence in my life and have had a great impact, and your friendship has been uh, something that I value very, very much. For those who are listening, uh, Brother Hardy, could you just, uh, I think you have a website and maybe a phone number if, if someone's interested in contacting you about perhaps having you for a meeting. Uh, can you just give us that information as we're concluding here today?
2: I think the easiest way to say is you can contact me off our website, which is Ministries. Dot com or dot org, either way, it will come up usually. Okay, party ministries, all lowercase. Okay, party com or dot org. Phone number is 918 232 1864.
1: Very good. Well, thank you again for being with us today and for this last three weeks of uh, conversation. It's been a blessing to hear. Uh, the journey that God has taken you on, I, I think we could probably spend another hour or two just talking about some of the things and developing them, but our time is limited. And uh, for all, on behalf of our listeners, uh, Brother Hardy, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, Brother Kevin, thank you. And some people don't have lifetime friends. I do. You're one of those. And I want to thank you for that and your investment in my life as well. And God bless you and Denise as you travel and serve the Lord.
1: Well, thanks our, to our listeners for being a part of today's podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week for another one of our conversations with those who are laboring for the Lord in the harvest. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the last three weeks as I've had the opportunity to have this uh, conversation with my friend Dave Hardy. And of course, uh, today we conclude that conversation with uh, this particular segment. And um, again, I just find uh, these moments that I get to sit down with friends and men that I have known through the years. To be so encouraging to me, and I pray that it's an encouragement to you as well, that it'll be something that will help you in your journey as you're laboring for the Lord in the harvest. I want to remind you that Brother Hardy has a website, it's hardyministries.com, hardyministries.com. You can go there and find out more about my guest, Brother Dave Hardy, and of course, uh, There's information on how you can contact him there. Once again, thank you for joining Labors in the Harvest with your host, Kevin Folger. It's my joy to uh, have you join me. Whether this is your first time or you come back each week, thanks again for being a part of today's Labors in the Harvest podcast.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.